In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos Podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB, and we're previewing a huge matchup in the East this week as the Toronto Argonauts host the Montreal Alouettes at BMO Field on Friday. JB, I'm pretty excited about this game because this game tangibly matters. This one makes a difference. Yeah, it's huge. I think this is to decide who's going to be first uh, in the East. I, I still think we can finish ahead of Hamilton. And uh, I think it's important for the Argos' ego and belief in themselves that they show themselves to be the team that beat Winnipeg and not the team that lost to Saskatchewan. And I think there's a big drop-off potential here too because not only does this a win in this game really put them in a good position and I, I think like you, I think with a win here, I think this team is able to end up ahead of Hamilton. However, a loss here not only puts you in jeopardy of finishing behind Hamilton, but it puts you in jeopardy of finishing behind Montreal because they keep cashing in these these Ottawa wins and they're going right. to end up with a really good record anyway. You can't lose to Montreal at home. I mean, I, I think that's just what it boils down to. If, if you're serious about being uh, a competitor this year, you have to beat Montreal on your home field. Let's talk about some of the transactions that were made this week because it continued to just be an insane week. Last week was nuts with all the news that was breaking. This week's not quite as crazy, but there's still some there's still some Coach Jones stuff in there, a few transactions. So let's see what we can wade through here. So the biggest transaction news, I think, is that Kendall Wright has been moved from the suspended list to the practice list and or the practice roster, and he is out uh, practicing uh, yesterday and today. He's wearing number 85. He looks in good form, and there were even questions asked yesterday at the press conference as to whether or not Coach Dinwiddie could see him cracking the lineup this week. Uh, he said it wasn't likely, but didn't completely rule it out. But I think, again, it's just a reminder of the type of talent that Kendall Wright has. However, and Dinwiddie did include this in his response yesterday, the thing is it just takes it takes time. And I think I think to expect him out there this week is unrealistic. He's gonna need time, no matter how well he knows the playbook or has an understanding of the system, it's gonna take him time to get acclimated. It's gonna take him time to get used to everything from the waggle on through. So I don't think there's any chance we do see him out there this week, but I'm excited about this being a possibility sooner rather than later. I would actually be kind of surprised if he's not out there at, at the the Argos next game. So I think that's what I'm looking for. Kendall Wright next game, at least on the roster, on the dress roster. Yeah, it, I would I would think injury, you know, suddenly one of the starters got injured. Maybe you put him out there for, you know, 20% of the snaps. But barring injury, I, it, it makes no sense to to rush him. I would, I would think they would put him on the same schedule they did DJ Foster. Yeah, I think that works. And I think that it took DJ Foster, it seemed to take him about three weeks once he got here. And with the Argos having a bit of a, a rest period coming up after after this game, I think there's a real possibility that we see him out following that. The other signing the Argos made was Alex Chevrier, who was added this week. He's mostly known as a special teams player. 
So he was drafted by Saskatchewan back in, in 2017, played a couple seasons there. He started this year on Montreal's roster. He was dressing. He was actually getting into games as a special teams player. I think he's here because of all the issues that Toronto has at linebacker right now. So with Cameron Judge definitely out for this week, Enoch Mwamba almost certainly out for this week, we're probably looking at at Vontae Diggs and... McCoyle as our linebackers to start the game. And I think Hoyt is going to be pushed into quite a bit of action this week as well. And so Chevrier is going to be there, probably elevated immediately to the dress roster. And he'll be there for special team snaps, but also as an emergency backer, because it is starting to get get really thin. That's a positional group that is even more banged up than the defensive line. And we know what a mess that has been in terms of injuries. So I think that's probably Chevrolet's role this week. I'd be, I, I'm still holding out the shot that Moamba plays against Montreal. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it's not great. You know, I mean, that's, that's a big problem. You know, um, if we can get Law back and Nevis back, then that's certainly helps not having Wamba, but you know, look, you, you lose your two starting linebackers, like that that's 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 a big deal. And there is the potential for getting guys back because as banged up as this team has been, it's starting to come full circle now and there's a bunch of guys that are, you know, waiting to get back in and you know the cavalry may be here just in time, maybe. So Drake Nevis and Cordero Law were both practicing, limited but practicing, and that's always a good sign. And the fact that they're actually appearing on injury reports and out there actively participating, and it may not be full, but this is way better than what we've been seeing Drake Nevis go through over the last several weeks, where he's been, you know, he's been doing some bag work, but it's mostly been been rehab work on the sideline. And now he's actually out there, helmet on, jersey on, you know, getting not live reps or anything like that, but almost. And so is one of those two guys close enough to actually be on the field this Friday? Because that would be a huge addition. Either one of those guys would be a huge addition. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping both. You know, I, I hope that limited they're both veterans, so it makes sense that you would be limited in terms of, you know, much like Shaq, like Cordero Law doesn't need to go out there and run drills. You know, he knows what he's doing. You're just taking care of him. Uh, so I hope that's what the case is in, in both, is that they're limited and that they're, they're not going to push them, but that they're going to be good to go for the game. My concern is that with a bye week coming up, so the Argos after this Friday, the 24th, they don't play again until October 6th. And it's probably so tempting for these coaches to say, you know what, everyone that's banged up, let's just wait right now, give them an extra week and a half rest, and then bring them back for the Ottawa game on October 6th. So I'm sure that's really tempting. But on the other side of things, you may say, well, let's get as many guys back as we can, knowing they've got a week and a half, two weeks to recover before the next game. I, like, I'm of two minds here. What do you do in this scenario with that with that bye week uh, hanging over us? You know, I, I think, look, I think if you're good to go, you go. And if you're not, you're not. I, 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 w- I wouldn't play games with it. I think, look, if, if you can play and you can go 90%, then you go and then you play. And, and if, if you're not there, then, then for sure, there's nothing stupider than a team playing a guy at 70%. I'm looking at you, Toronto Blue Jays, and re-hurting him and then losing him. 
So that's that's my you know I mean that's a doctor choice. But if you're ninety, it's a go. If you're not, of course, just sit them and and don't re-injure something and lose them. I think it depends on what the injury is. I absolutely agree. If it's a hamstring, I I think that you know with with something like an ankle for example it depends how they respond to being you know if you're if you're fully taped up you know how how do you feel are you okay is that something where you you may not be at 90 but you can get out there and and still play better than the next guy up and knowing you have a couple of weeks to rest your ankle that's not the same as a hamstring right like a d line is is one of those positions where you can really rotate in uh much more than other positions you know so you can you can um you know take care of them um, more than you could at almost any other position. So that's why I feel so confident about those guys because, you know, you bring them in on sub packages and, you know, they, you know, 15, 20 snaps, you don't have to drive them in like you would at corner or wide receiver. You know, it's, it's actually a, a great position to kind of ease back into. It was alarming how many Argonauts were not able to practice. When you look through the injury report, and it was just like a skeleton crew out there on the field. You got Darius Bladek, who couldn't practice. He's dealing with a, a multiple injuries. Daniel Braverman still with his ankle. Uh, Isaiah Cage is getting maybe, uh, you know, s- close to making a, a comeback and, and being out there fully, but he's still not out there. Brandon Calver with his knee. Uh, Cameron Judge, obviously, I think I think we have we have ruled him out. I don't know. If anyone else has yet, but I, it's going to be it's going to be a while for him, I think, but not as long as they were saying. So initially, I know Cameron Judge, they initially feared this would be season ending. It now sounds like it's going to be several weeks if I can read between the lines, but not something that's going to keep him up for the whole season. So fingers crossed on that one. Enoch Muamba, that's a hamstring and that makes me nervous as a linebacker with a hamstring injury. I know he must desperately want to play against Montreal, but that's one where I just feel like you really don't want to rush him back because you look at the, the next guy on the injury report Levi Noel his hamstring's been hurt for for weeks now and he's still on there and he wasn't practicing you know not to jump sports there but you know Mike Trout basically missed the entire season with a calf injury like not a torn not not you know not a separated just just basically a sore calf and he just never it just never got better um so yeah that's I think what you want to worry about with Moamba is there's, there's nothing worse than letting letting a guy try and then two snaps in or first series, he's shut down and now you've got a guy in who didn't get any reps. Um, so I think you're way better to to sit him and and you know make a decision basically tomorrow and 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 let the other guy get the reps because you don't you know what I mean hamstring is just so. It's not like it's not ankle, it's not shoulder. You can't shoot it up. You can't tape it up. It's just, you know, it's just bad news. So and it's just rest. So I I, I think it makes I'm I'm all for Nevis and, and Law, but um, you know, really Mwambo should probably uh sit this out. Shane Richards didn't practice with an ankle. That's a concern because the line has already undergone so many issues. Like if Bladek and Richards can't go this week, uh, man, this is this is going to be a, a situation. I think that means Theron Churchill is probably starting at that point, as is Dylan Giffen. You know, those would probably be your guards at that point with 
Nicastro playing center and obviously Allen and Campbell at, at tackle. But I, I don't even know at that point. I, I can't I can't even think of what what, uh, what happens if one of those guys goes down. We're really starting to get thin. You know, football coaches know, you know, players often, especially young players, you know, offensive line is not very glamorous and guys are always reluctant to play it. But, you know, like it it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter who's on your team if you don't have a line. You know, you could have, you know, Aaron Rodgers throwing to, uh, you know, uh, Andre Johnson. And it doesn't matter if your right tackle is a turnstile, the play's over. So, so you know, that's, that's deeply worrying because, you know, if you can't protect, then it is really hard to have any semblance of a, of a game plan. Now, the limited guys, most of them I expect to be back. I know Nick Arbuckle's limited with a hamstring. I think he's going to be fine. I think it was, I feel like that's more a precautionary thing. Like that hasn't gone away from going back to training camp. I don't think that's entirely gone away and it probably won't. But he was way more mobile last game, uh, moving around a ton in the pocket. He scrambled out to his right, scrambled out to his left. He did a lot more running, not necessarily downfield for yardage, but... He did a lot of lateral movement, and I think that probably tightened up a little bit on him. Uh, Ricky Collins Jr., I, I expect him to be out there as well. Devaris Daniels, now he is also listed as a hamstring, but he's limited. I, I feel like that's going to be a player that they cross their fingers and send him out there. And Shaq Richardson with an ankle, uh, who is also limited. And of course, we mentioned Law and Nevis. So that's a ton of guys. That is That is half of your dress roster from last game that is on the injury report. And I know that that happens at this time of year. And I know that that's sometimes what you get when you have a a veteran team like the Argos do. But man, I'm pretty concerned about this this injury report. And I feel like this bye week can't come soon enough. No, it's, you, you know, you're just like, can we sneak one out um, and then get everybody healthy for the for the push? I wonder if they if they can find a way to somehow rest most of these guys, somehow come away with the win, that would be incredible. Because then you've got two weeks and then Ottawa, which again is at home and again is a game that I think you can, you know, probably not have to field your your absolute best. And then you've got another uh, game like three days later. So that's, you know, setting up a, a rematch with the Tiger Cats. So basically two games in week 10, they they need not to mess this up. They need to get out of the bye week very healthy because you're coming out of the bye week into back-to-back games, a game Wednesday and then a game Monday. That's what you're coming back to. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I don't know exactly what the answer is and I think it probably depends case by case, but they need to, they need to get this right, JB. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think you should, you should be able to play a B unit against Ottawa and, and take care of business. All right, let's talk about Coach Jones. So mm. Coach Jones has continued to be in the news as he has finished his quarantine and has now joined the team. So some interesting things have come out the last couple of days. The biggest is probably that yesterday when asked, Coach Dinwiddie said that Coach Stubler would be calling the plays this Friday because he was asked directly, like, will this be, will this be Coach Jones? Is it going to be... Uh, Stubler again and he's like no it's going to be Stubler calling the plays now today Dave Naylor is reporting that 
Jones is going to be running the defense and calling plays on Friday. So that's a pretty quick turnaround in 24 hours. JB, what happened in these 24 <laughs> hours? If, if Dave Naylor's report is, is true, uh, why the massive turnaround? Uh, uh, well, look, Chris Jones is a, is a pretty big personality, and he left his high school job to come coach in the CFL. He did not leave it to sit in the booth and whisper things. So I'm sure he simply said to management, like, if if you brought me here, I'm here. Let's go. I don't I don't need another two weeks to figure out what's happening. I can see what you're running. I can I can take this over now. I don't I don't need another week of Stubler running it. Because you know, I mean Chris Jones knows Canadian football. He you know, I'm sure he is absolutely up to speed and you know he's he's got a a healthy belief in himself and that might have been the plan to kind of bring him along but i'm sure he's chomping at the bit you know he he burned those bridges in pittsburgh and i'm sure he feels like i didn't burn those bridges to not coach i think he probably also spent every minute of his quarantine time watching film and studying the playbook right because that's the that's the guy he is right he's obsessive about it and so i would bet if anybody could know the defense inside and out in basically a two-week period, it's Chris Jones. And so... And Stubler was never the DC. You know, like, Stubler, like, was the stopgap because of, you know, vaccination problems. So I, I don't see any problem. I don't I don't see this as an ego overstep. You know, Stubler was the substitute teacher, and now the next guy's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I don't, I don't need another week. Especially... Heading into the bye, like Chris Jones, probably Godzilla stomping around if he had to wait a whole bye to get in. <laughs> I, I think that for anyone else, this is too fast. I like I don't think this is a normal situation. You can't normally come in from not being associated with the team at all to calling plays and running the defense in this span of time. But I think this is a different scenario, not only because of you know the obsessive nature with which Chris Jones is going to approach this, but also... He knows these players really well. This is a, a team that he actually knows very well. He knows most of these veteran guys, either from having worked with them or having coached against them, having seen them. So it's not like these are these guys are a total surprise to him. And it's not a system that has come out of nowhere either. So I think for him to familiarize himself with the team and with the playbook and everything else, I don't know that it's going to be 100% smooth. And I think he's probably going to want Coach Stubler in his ear the whole game. And he may, there may be times where he's like, I, I want <laughs> to run this. Maybe. <laughs> I know. Well, I know. We're, yeah, we're, well, he might want Coach Stubler going out to bring him a cold beverage. He may turn off Coach Stubler's headset, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I, I have to, I'm hoping that this, this group can get along. And, and again, like you said last week, he's, he's not looking to stir things up right now. He's not looking to flip over tables. He wants this to be smooth and effective because he's looking for that next job. Now, the team apparently will uh, control his 2022 option. That's another, I believe that's Dave Naylor reporting that too today. So, uh, you know, is he looking for another opportunity back here? Is there something future for him down the road in the CFL? I think so. And he's not going to want to mess that up. So I don't feel like he's going to want to come in here, like he said last week, and just make a mess of everything. I think He's going to be on his best behavior, and so I don't expect him to switch off Coach Stubler's headset and, uh, well, and tell him yes, to get out of there. I, I think that's true, but also I think that 
you know, I think, you know, Coach Jones obviously is, you know, is a, a, a pretty strong personality. And he's, I'm sure, after watching film, is going to have pretty strong ideas about how the defense should run. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see, um, you know, how that translates. Uh, but uh, it it doesn't surprise me at all. I I don't take it to be a bad thing. I think, but it doesn't surprise me at all that he wants to begin, and doesn't feel like he needs a month to to learn the Argos defense, which you know I'm sure a coach of his his expertise and his background, um, you know, understands the concepts and is like, okay, yeah, I, I understand what we're doing here. Let's let's go. I think it's going to be interesting. I'm really curious. I, I'm definitely going to have my binoculars fixed on the sideline just to see what the interaction looks like down there on the bench. Because I, I expect that it, it may be a show. I don't. I don't think so. But you never know, and there's certainly some volatility here. So we'll, <laughs> yeah, right. we'll see. Exactly. I, there, like it's a. I would say that this is a. Uh, it's a high ceiling. Low, low floor, floor. <laughs> because look, it, he could come in and you know suddenly you've added uh, you know a, a great CFL mind to your coaching staff and and you're able to really cook cook something you know but it could it could go you know it could go the other way too I think you know you invite in a strong personality like that into your room and and. You know that it can it could it can go the other way. I guess is all I would say. So, uh, I I I admire the swing. Let Let's see. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like I, I I have full respect for the way this is going to go down. Yeah, I, it's, I just it's they're they're looking to to take a shot at the cup and bringing him in is the kind of move you do if you think you've got a shot. And uh, you know I. In pinball, I trust. So I guess at the end of the day, I trust I trust pinball to, you know, to make it work. So let's, let's go with that confidence. All right, JB, it's time for our favorite segment of the week, OCDC. So for this <laughs> week's segment, uh, we'll start off with Montreal. And I will be the offense coordinator of the Montreal Alouettes. You will be the defense coordinator of the Montreal Alouettes. We'll go through our game plan and then we'll flip to Toronto. So for the Montreal Alouettes, when I look at this game and just kind of watching through the Al's last couple games, I, I'm pretty nervous if I'm their, their offensive coordinator. They've had a ton of trouble getting stuff going, just stringing drives together. And the consistency that they've been looking for, well, not just this year, going back to, to 2019 even, they had that amazing run, but but they were all over the map that year. And it's continued on here. So I, I don't know if I'm going to go in trying to string drives together. I actually feel like that's the wrong philosophy because I'm just not sure this team can do it unless it's through the run game. But we know how stout Toronto's defense is against the run and they had a bit of an off week last week against Saskatchewan I would bet that no one is going to be running the ball on the Toronto Argonauts for the next few weeks because they're they're looking for it they they were embarrassed against Saskatchewan they don't want to let that happen again so I don't even know if I approach this trying that I think my philosophy is deep shots I think it's something that Montreal does well 
I think it's a ball that Vernon Adams throws well. I don't know if there's a better deep ball in the league. Now, he hasn't necessarily been on as much this year as he has in years past. But that's, I think, the strategy to beat Toronto. Try and hit a bunch of these home run plays. And then if Toronto's defense starts backing way up, now you can try some other stuff. Maybe now we can get the run game involved. But I think everything is set up this week for the Montreal Alouettes if they can strike on some of those those deep balls. So I'd be going over the top from the very first snap of the game. And it's not like you need to hit a ton of them. You connect on three or four of those and Toronto's in trouble. And I think that's that's basically my game plan this week. We're going to play the lottery a little bit because I just don't see anything else working against this Toronto defense, even as banged up as they are. I think that's got to be the plan. What do you do for the Alouettes on defense, JB? Uh, if, I, if I'm the Alouette's defensive coordinator, uh, I think that, you know, we talked about the injuries. I think, number one, I send tons of pressure. I send secondary blitzes. I send Chris Ackey. Um, you know, I send Craig Reed. I, I send I send every exotic blitz I have in my book until they show they can pick it up. So the first quarter would be an absolute smorgasbord of twists and stunts and zone blitzes and and really i would i would test that argo's uh offensive line and and sit on those underneath um hot routes because you know if you look at arbuckle he's not a guy necessarily who's gonna burn you on a deep pass if the blitz gets picked up and so if he's looking to dump that off i'd be all over it but i i would that's what I would do. I would be the most aggressive. I would I would send heat. I'm not worried about Arbuckle getting away from me. Um, I don't respect that offensive line yet until they show me, especially if 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 the backups are in. Until they show me they can pick it up, uh, you know that that's where I'm coming. I'm coming to try and you know. And Arbuckle has shown uh, you know that he he can sometimes fumble the ball. So. I'm coming in, you know, with arms coming down and and trying to rip that ball. And I think as a defensive coordinator, that that just makes you hungry. You see an offensive line that you think might not be all the way there. You see a quarterback who doesn't have a cannon to burn you and sometimes fumbles. That's to me, that means, you know, blitz. In terms of the Toronto Argonauts, if I'm calling plays for the Argos, I think the plan is really straightforward. I think Montreal's had a big disadvantage in this game. I think, you know, they've lost Mario Alford. I think their special teams is going to take a hit. The offense isn't going to need in this game to put up 35 points. I don't think that's the pressure here. They really need to take care of the football. That's going to be the main point of emphasis. And with a potentially banged up offensive line, I actually think the combo works fairly well for going back to what Arbuckle does best. So I want to see a lot of RPOs. I want to see those short plays. And I think there's going to have to be an emphasis on the run. The good thing about these, these inexperienced linemen that may be playing in the game is that they are very good run blockers. And that's something that Nicastro and Allen have been doing really well all year. You add in Giffen and Churchill to this, that's a lot of size and, and a lot of power. And, and they, they should be able to run the ball fairly well. So I'm going to put it on them and say, we're going to rely heavily on this, on this running game. And when we're not running the ball, we're going to open it up with those RPOs and play action passes. But quick stuff. Nothing that's going to have Arbuckle taking shots back there. I want the ball out of his hands two seconds into the play. So that's my plan for the Argos offense. Where are you going with the defense, JB? 
Montreal has a very good running game. That that is definitely like you say. They love the deep shot, um, and they have a good running game. I'm I'm focusing on the running game. Um, I, I I just don't. I, I'm just not concerned about the deep shot. I mean, as long as guys, as long as you don't blow, you know, you don't have a bust right on a cover two or something. You know, like I'm I'm stopping the run and then playing deep pass. Because he's not going to uh, Vernon Adams is not going to matriculate you down the field. I'm I'm not worried about him throwing thirty passes at a seventy percent clip, right? Like he's got a he's got a strong arm, but for me, it's it's load up against the run and take away the deep pass um, in in passing downs and 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 just being disciplined on deep coverage you know because really the argo secondary the most of the deep touchdowns have been busts so if you can get rid of the bust and and just play solid you know cover two cover three occasionally back there on uh, on an obvious passing down but load up against the run uh he that that that's their most dangerous weapon i would i would take that away and you know dare vernon adams to throw uh, if Vernon Adams throws 35 times, I, I think we get at least two picks. Where are we going for a score predi- prediction, JB? I'm going to make you go first so you don't steal my answer. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. I, I, I you know, I, I think I think the Homer and me picked picked the Argos to beat Saskatchewan, even though I had deep deep misgivings. Um, but I do think Toronto can win this game. We're at home. Now, the at-home away splits are becoming troubling. That's maybe a discussion for another day. But at home is is a good thing for the Argos. I think the Argos win uh, 28-21. That's pretty close to what I'm thinking. Uh, I also have the Argos with 28 and a win. I have the Alouettes only scoring 14. So I, yeah. I have this as a as a two two touchdown win 28-14. I think the defense stands tall again. I think the offense does enough, takes advantage of some some good field position and I actually expect the Toronto Argonauts to come out on top in the special teams battle this week. Something that we haven't been able to say necessarily every week. So, turnovers. Turn you know, it's a, I know it's an old line but Turnover, turnover, turnover. Um, start fast. Don't turn the ball over. I think if if we can if we can get out to a lead, then that's fantastic. Then you know, like then Montreal is throwing the ball, and if they're throwing the ball, I guarantee I'm gonna I'm, I want to see this is this is what I want to see. I want to see two interceptions against Montreal. Yeah, I think and I think that's a, a possibility, certainly. It's a team that hasn't necessarily taken advantage of every opportunity that's been given to them in terms of turnovers. I think this this could be the week. And, and for you know me, what? I'm changing my mind. What? I want a pick six. That's what I want. I want a pick six. Uh, the defense has not scored enough. I want a pick six. I see it. I, I, I think Vernon Adams is just desperate to give us one. I, I see a pick six at home. That's what I want to see. What I want to see is a lack of turnovers on the Argos' part. I just want to see them take care of the football. And I think if we do that, I think 
the Argos will win. I don't think there's anything else standing in their way. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, my name is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.